You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Welcome to this 91 Four Factor Podcast. With me are portfolio managers Unati Lewis, Samantha Hartard, Hannes van der Berg, and we're going to talk about 91's SA General Equity and Balance Strategies. And Hannes, I must start with you because you need to paint us a sort of a backdrop, a macroeconomic backdrop to what has been an extraordinary few months, an extraordinary few weeks of 2022. Yeah, nice to chat to you again, Lindsay. As you say, amazing year last year, uh, also from a return perspective, equity investors in South Africa received about 30% and most multi-asset, whether you're either global or domestic multi-asset fund, if you were invested, you would have received 20 to 23% return. So, you know, coming out of COVID in 2022, an, an astonishing year. And I guess the question now is, what is in front of us for 2022? Our view, and I mean, we're on the road at the moment doing report backs and speaking to clients and telling them sort of what we're thinking is that, yes, we're going into a changing global interest rate environment. We are transitioning post the sort of recession repair recovery phase of the economic cycle. We're transitioning into the mid-economic cycle uh, and central banks are starting to make their moves. So we would actually be worried if interest rates do not go up or go higher, you know, given where we are in the cycle, growth established we need to start moving on the interest rate hiking cycle, and we also need to start draining some of the liquidity with quantitative tightening. Omicron obviously threw a bit of a curveball towards the end of last year, and we're seeing the effects of that into Q1 of this year with growth moderating, but we expect that to rebound in the second quarter. Chinese economy had a lot of issues last year. Policymakers seems that to have switched to a more growth-supportive focus, we tend to think, for 2022. Yes, supply chain disruption, labor markets being tight, inflation, the genie being out the bottle, and how do you get that genie back in the bottle? And that's why central banks need to start to, to react and hiking interest rates. But given all of that, we, we're staying invested in risk assets. In this part of the cycle, we tend to think global growth will be at or above trend, and interest rates are still in absolute terms at incredibly low levels. Real rates at these levels, you don't often find a recession. So there will be more volatility and periodic market corrections. It's obvious, goes without saying, we don't expect the same kind of high double-digit 20 and 30% returns as we did last year, but we still expect good, decent returns and inflation-beating returns in 2022. Very good. Anati, Hannes mentioned China. How do you view China? Their recent GDP data has been positive and slightly better than many market watchers were predicting, but still way off the levels that we were used to maybe a decade or a dozen years ago. How do you view China and also link that to resources, if you would? That's really a very good observation. I think the market is worried around China growth, particularly as we go into this first quarter. You would have seen that they came out and they sort of announced what their targets are going to be for this year, and they're still hoping to do GDP growth of plus 5.5%. But our view is that it's really going to be quite tough, particularly given the focus that the government has had on making sure that they don't have uh, bubbles in the property sector from a financial risk point of view, but also from an environmental point of view, where they've been quite stringent about reducing emissions, um, and the whole decarbonisation theme is likely to have an impact particularly from an infrastructure and property um, sector growth side of things. So I think it's going to be tough for them to be able to do that, particularly within the developed cities, uh, for them to get to a 5% growth level, which is muted relative to what they've done historically. But nonetheless, it doesn't look like it's all fall down. We're not looking at a 3% GDP number for China by any stretch of the imagination, but it will be somewhere near hovering around the 5% level. And obviously that has an impact on the commodity side of things. Um, I think the markets, if you look at where commodity prices are currently, iron or up 14% year to date, 
COP has been up quite strongly, breached 10,000 not so long ago. And then obviously uh, that's all because of the outlook that people are expecting Chinese government to stimulate to be able to reach those GDP growth rates. So you are going to have to be selective in terms of your exposure. You want to be um, in the commodities that are essential for Chinese GDP growth. But even within that, um, I suppose um, there are going to be uh, some volatility that one can expect. Samantha, SA Inc. stocks came out of the blocks with a good deal of gusto at the beginning of this year. And it almost seemed to me as though international fund managers uh, had a look at emerging markets and had a look at South Africa and said, we like this story. We like these valuations. What's your view on corporate SA? Absolutely. In line with what Hannes had said earlier, that we are quite constructive on the outlook for global growth. South Africa is a small open economy would be a beneficiary of that. And as emerging markets may find favour with international investors, with this global growth backdrop story going to play out, uh, South Africa will be in line with that. So cyclical sectors are going to be biggest beneficiaries of this. And we're finding a lot of opportunities within global and local cyclicals, those companies that are going to get positive earnings revisions um, and that trade in a reasonable valuation. So the likes of your banks, your retailers um, and the miners are all areas that we're quite constructive on, on the outlook for 2022. I'm going to come back to you with a couple of good stories, if you have them, company stories and, and stock stories later, Samantha. But I want to go back to you, Hannes. Now, you've spoken about growth. You like the idea of an interest rate rising cycle, which is something that many people in the market have never seen before, uh, but you're comfortable with it, which is, which is good. What about asset allocation? Does it change your asset allocation strategy at 91 when you see a rising cycle? Yeah, that's a very good observation, Lindsay. I mean, not a lot of fund managers that manage money today have managed money in highly inflationary environments. Um, we've been waiting for inflation for over a decade, and now, now we are at that point where, I mean, the U.S. inflation is actually higher than current inflation in South Africa. You can argue base effects and supply chain and labor market disruption, but th these are unique times. The interesting part here is that if you go back and you analyze over various cycles in periods where inflation is under control, somewhere between 1% and 3%, and where you have a interest rate hiking cycle, which is where bond yields don't get unhinged and you don't go much faster than expected. So as planned, equity markets tend to do well because rates get hiked because of growth being strong and, and, and therefore central banks having, having to react to it. From an asset allocation perspective, what's interesting over the this first few weeks of 2022 is we've had an incredibly strong rand and it seems like with bond yields going high in developed markets as people have very rapidly priced in a faster interest rate cycle especially from the federal reserve i mean a year ago we were wondering whether it's going to be 2022 or 2023 for the first interest rate hike now we're talking four to four to five hikes from the federal reserve in 2022 alone so a lot's been priced in that I tend to think a lot of money has, has come into emerging markets, uh, and we've seen the benefit of that in the rand. We're just discussing it this morning. Uh, we've had a very big foreign bond buying day last week on Friday in South Africa. So money trickling into emerging markets. So from an asset allocation perspective, you need to be aware of that. Maybe less U.S. valuation, also not that supportive. Valuation being much more supportive in emerging markets. And, and the flow of money coming to where potentially there's higher real returns and equity growth. So that's something that, that, that stands out to us. Banks, consumers in emerging markets, uh, good areas to, to look for, for bottom-up ideas. And then the, the real returns that you get from South African government bonds, probably one of the most real, uh, attractive real returns globally. Um, even our, our London colleagues are starting to point out that um, you know, some of the best investment opportunities in fixed income markets are, are right under our noses. So we're running quite high on equity. We're quite running quite high on South African equity. We've tilted our offshore equity 
away from developed markets and more towards Asia and, and maybe also cyclical sectors, uh, European financials. So what you earn from the bottom up is also super important. How much you earn is one thing, but then the mix of what you earn inside each of those asset classes, we've also tilted that, um, as I said, more towards emerging markets and, and our local real returns. Inati, I'm a closet commodity trader. The whole sector fascinates me. Every day you must wake up and go to your desk and see something different. The cyclicality is incredible. And look at the PGMs, for example, of, of late. What are your ideas for 2022 and beyond? Correct, you're right. There's never a dull moment. Um, we're really quite uh, constructive, uh, the energy, energy complex. So oil and coal, um, obviously being impacted by the shortages that we've seen there. What has really been interesting around oil is that obviously inventory levels are still quite low. There hasn't been much investment that has gone into oil. Or you look at what's happening in the PGM sector. I think last year was a pretty difficult year for PGMs because of chip shortages. And the stats that came out this morning in terms of uh, what vehicle production has looked like really shows how the European producers have really struggled um, in 2021. And there are tentative signs that are starting to normalize. And that's obviously going to be quite good for PGMs. And this year obviously is different because we don't have the sort of inventory that's coming through from a metal point of view. Um, and so we're actually quite 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 positive PGMs in terms of outlook. Copper is going to be a bit of a wild card because obviously it depends on what the growth outlook looks like. Um, and as the market tries to weigh, will the rate hikes kill growth or not? Um, I think you'll see a bit more volatility being expressed through the copper price, although the long-term fundamentals are really robust. Samantha? Well, Lindsay, what, I can maybe, what I can maybe add, sorry, before we go to Samantha, and to add to Nati's view on, on China, I mean, geopolitics playing into the oil price. The credit impulse in China was a bit of a drag, and it seems that has bottomed in China. And usually when the credit impulse and liquidity environment in China turns for the better, I mean, China is, is the bellwether and the, the, the big delta or change factor when it comes to demand for resources. So just highlighting and putting in bold an artist's view on, on the tightness in some of these commodity markets. And, and in that kind of environment, an economy... Like Samantha said, such as South Africa tend to do well. Um, so all of this we see as tailwinds. Samantha, corporate SA, I was enthusiastically talking about SA Inc. stocks in my introduction to you. They were unjustifiably beaten up in many people's eyes and some companies are even priced for failure. That's all changed now. Can it continue to change? What do you like? Absolutely. Um, when you say price to failure, I mean, points, you know, through the crisis in 2020, some of our banks were trading as low as a four times forward PE multiples. We do like the banks. It's a large position within the funds at the moment, the likes of ABSA, the likes of First Rand, even some Capitech there. Uh, this is a sector that's going to continue to give positive earnings revisions. You know, the first leg of the positive earnings revisions came through because the economic recovery has been better than everybody expected um, worldwide, as well as in South Africa. So at the onset of the crisis, when the banks had to do forward-looking adjustments and provisions that came through, those quickly unwound. Um, through 2021. And as we move into a rate hiking environment, as Hannes had pointed out, yes, all eyes are on the Fed, but uh, so too it's going to start picking up an SA. You're going to have a second round of positive earnings revisions from the endowment effect. Um, and when you couple those positive revisions to come, earnings revisions to come with dividend yields on offer in the sector um, of the mid to high single percentages, uh, we just think that the banks are a very attractive prospect. Uh, and, you know, you look at their price to book valuations still so low at about just recovering to about one and a half times, long, well below their long-term averages. Um, so the banks definitely have preferred play um, amongst SA Inc. And we still like the retailers. Um, so there's been a change in the, the prospects and where we like to take exposure. 
you know, the early beneficiaries of the reopening um, story in South Africa was within the discretionary retailers, um, the likes of your Pepcors, your Mr. Prices, Chiris Fashini. Um, and we're actually starting to get quite constructive on the food retailers. Uh, ShopRite's recently become a large position um, within the funds um, for, for great work that they've done on the bottom-up perspective of both the high-end as well as the low-end consumer markets in, in SA. Uh, so very much cyclically biased. If you look at our SA equity positioning, about 68% is within those global and local cyclicals. Um, it's not to say we don't find opportunities within the defensive space. Uh, you know, as I said, ShopRite, one of those companies getting strong positive revisions. Um, the likes of MTN also making it within the top uh, 10 of the funds. And also going back into NASPERS and process. Samantha, Unati, Hannes, thank you very much for your insight. Hannes van den Berg, Unati Lewis and Samantha Hartard are portfolio managers at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.